I'm Jordan. And I'm Donnie. And this is a podcast about the stuff in our New York City apartment. How we find it. Where we put it. And why we're into it. Welcome to Apartment 26. Time for an updates episode. But lots of updates. I usually have an updates list like kind of going in the background as I think of things, but all of a sudden this week, this one exploded. Mm. There's so many updates from things that happened this week, but not all about things that happened last week. Like there are some deep cuts on this huh. list. It's true. Let's start with the thing I teased last week, which Great. is eating Thanksgiving dinner out and about yeah we did that yep and it was pretty good so i'm not gonna malign the place we went but it wasn't as transgressive as i wanted it to be i think Mm. like i think if we did it again i would prefer to go to a diner or someplace where they're not serving thanksgiving food because i think it still felt like a special meal where we were still kind of participating in thanksgiving more than it felt like a bunch of new yorkers doing new york shit which is what i wanted it to feel like yeah i agreed yeah and the food was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we had a perfectly nice meal. It just felt holiday-y and special. And I think what I wanted to do was be like, fuck it, New York is like more New York than Thanksgiving is Thanksgiving. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, just like, yes, the food is good. But I also mean it was just like pretty good. Like for oh, yeah. a Thanksgiving prefix thing, it wasn't wild. So I think going to a diner or... Similar, just like a restaurant, restaurant would have been equally as nice. Like, there's nothing particularly special about the meal except for it was like festive and had turkey or butternut squash for me, or you know, yeah. Very infrequently do places serve turkey except for on Thanksgiving, so it was like a restaurant that was serving turkey essentially, yeah. So, yeah, would do again, would do it with or at a different place or. In a different mood, I suppose. The good news, though, is that the next day, because they served us pie at the restaurant, but we made a pie the next day, by which I mean Donnie made a pie. (laughs) Out of those peaches that we canned that we talked about in the CSA episode, and we totes didn't die. Nope. So we're great at canning peaches. Yeah, pretty good at it. And we'll continue doing so for years to come. I think that's been like a cool thing that we've done. We're especially good at it without using an actual canning apparatus. That's true. <laughs> with our DIY kind of janky canning apparatus. Yeah, potentially dangerous. Uh, we won't link show notes six for it. <laughs> Though I think we already have actually. Yeah, no, we did. I mean, obviously, you know, be safe with food. But what actually made me feel really good about it is that when we went to take the lid off, it was pretty on there. It was yeah. difficult to remove. And that's the point, that the air gets sucked out of the can. So that made me feel good. And then obviously we like smelled it and touched it I before. Ate it. You ate a little bit of it. And all of that seemed to go well. So then we put it in the pie. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, <clears throat> it was great. It's been a fun experiment canning. So maybe we'll see what we can in the future. True. Probably not a lot of stuff. It's a lot to do without having a whole apparatus or the room to do it. Yeah. But it's good for what it is. It's good especially for like, like we have a rhubarb pie we make and that we can just parboil and freeze. But that wouldn't be as good with peaches, I don't think. True. Like the rhubarb has a bit more oomph 
to it as more a weird, structure like root fruit. it's like a fibrous a root fruit <laughs> is it a fruit or is no, it a vegetable i don't know i have no idea what it it's is. very fibrous though much yeah. like celery so it holds its composure i would say yeah what is celery celery is a vegetable i mean i think so but maybe we've been lied to i mean we call it a vegetable i guess it's like a stock but a Man, I don't know. We got to do some research. We'll get, <laughs> get back to you in the next update as to what rhubarb is. Another wintry thing that you did mostly was you finally broke down the fire escape garden. I did. Because it was basically frozen. Yes. Yeah. It was time. Uh, I have, oh, I can send you the picture. I'll do this after we record of the baby carrots. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we grew, you grew some baby carrots, which we ate, which were nice. Yeah. Um, so that's a win that the carrots worked. Got to figure out when to plant and perhaps how to plant to get them to be bigger. I think I planted them too close together uh, in the bags. Yeah, I would say that when you like get the seed packet and it shows you how far apart things need to be, I'm generally like, eh, that can't be real. But looking at the baby carrots, it seemed like maybe it was real. Yeah, definitely real. Um, But speaking of the bags, um, have a lot of seed bags for next season. So we'll see what I plant. I don't think I finished the carrots. I finished off a lot of the wildflowers. So I'm still burning through the seeds that my mom gave me like five years ago that I just keep in the fridge, so <laughs> pro tip. And speaking of the other bags, the soil bags uh, were great. They cleaned really easily, um, got rid of the soil, and then washed them out in the bathtub, which was a little smelly, but like we were also cleaning that day anyway. And then they just air dried and folded right up, so... Definitely would recommend those. Yeah, loved those. We'll link them again in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was pretty easy. Just had to break down the tomato plant and compost it. I tried to start cuttings, but I think I started too late. I needed to do that before. The first frost. Yeah. And I waited till after our wedding trip. Um, not our wedding, but I tripped my friend's Yeah, wedding. you kind of let that hang as though like it was some sort of spoiler. It's not. Yeah, we went to no. someone else's wedding. Um, the tiny house one. After our tiny house trip, <laughs> um, for better podcast reference. <laughs> and that was a mistake. I should have done it before we left. Uh, but live and learn, unless you're my tomato plant, in which case you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, so that's all broken down, and... Ready to go for next year. The garlic is alive and in here with us, and the basil is alive. We just used it to cook pretty recently and had to prune it back a little bit. So hopefully it bounces back. I think it will, the basil. Um, hopefully we can use our garlic pretty soon because it's really taken off. Yeah. Yeah. Doing great inside. So this one is maybe a little out of left field. I don't know if I've ever talked about on the podcast our toothbrush holder situation. I don't know. Maybe. We got one at Home Goods, maybe. When we moved here, um, that's it. We had one because yeah. we have toothbrushes. <laughs> I don't know. It's like not a lot of explaining. But I got those bamboo toothbrushes that I talked about in a past podcast. And because our toothbrush holder was like a cup, there would sometimes be, it would be a little wet on the bottom, right? Like you rinse off your toothbrush, you put it in the cup, and sometimes the water kind of like seeps down to the bottom. And because my toothbrush was no longer plastic, it was bamboo, it was kind of starting to get soft on the bottom as well. And that was starting. Wow, that was particularly gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was starting to gross me out and like freak me out. And also that toothbrush holder I had cleaned several times and it was kind of never getting as clean as I wanted it to. 
Because I don't know if other people have this issue, but I find it very difficult to fully get all of the toothpaste off my toothbrush. And so often there will be like a little bit of toothpaste on the handle of my toothbrush. I don't know if this is just me. I don't know, guys. And that would like transfer to the cup and it would be a whole thing. So I went on this hunt for vintage toothbrush holders because that's kind of the place I'm in now. I was looking on Etsy. I was looking on Cherish. I was like all over the place. And a lot of vintage toothbrush holders are wall mounted. Mm. Which is cool, kind of. I like that idea a lot, Mm -hmm. but that's not the situation we have because our wall behind our sink is all tiled, and I'm not going to drill into that tile. Right. So that wasn't going to work for us, and I kept thinking to myself, I have this, like, pencil cup at work that is just a metal base, and then sort of, like... It's hard to explain. How would you describe this pencil cup? It's open. Yeah. It's like a ring at the top that's held up by separate little posts. It's like a little, like, <clears throat> modern-y or, like, uh, I don't know. How would you describe those lights in the tiny house The that just have the frames? Uh, yeah, it was like a wi- it's like a wire frame yeah. kind of of a cup. And I basically t- kept telling myself, I want a toothbrush cup that is like this pencil holder so that there's a lot more airflow around the toothbrush Uh and then finally i was just like oh why don't i just bring that pencil cup home and use it as a toothbrush holder and so that's what i'm doing and i put my pens and stuff on my desk somewhere else (laughs) and I basically solved my own problem. It went really great. Feel fine about it. And actually, I'm pretty proud of myself in terms of like shopping your own apartment slash desk at work um, because it was an opportunity for me to spend money and then I just didn't spend money. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know. That was it. I wanted to say that. I don't know if anyone was like worried about it, but I will skip down to talking about composting my bamboo toothbrush since Uh, we're on the... Yeah. So I've been using that one... Probably for six months. Yeah, they're about that. I don't know. I use toothbrushes longer than I should, let's be honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And no you judge a little bit. You switch out your toothbrush a lot. Actually. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it was kind of like nearing the end of its life. And then we had a situation with the aluminum foil holder nice. where I had to do some pretty intense cleaning. And so I used my old toothbrush to do that and was like, okay, this has to go now. So I think I talked when I got them about how you dispose of these things because the bristles are not compostable. Uh That either you have to tweeze out the bristles or... Yeah. Or (laughs) break off the head so the bristles (laughs) don't go in the compost bin. And because I'm a dweeb, I was like, oh, I'm just going to, like, tweeze out all these bristles so that... (laughs) She did not. (laughs) So that I don't waste any of the bamboo. And I started doing that. And one of the complaints people have about bamboo toothbrushes is that they say that the bristles fall out. Hmm. And I didn't really experience that at all. But I felt that because that was kind of in the ether, that it was going to be really easy to tweeze them out. And then it turns out, psych, it's not. I was like getting them out one at a time and not like every time I tweezed, I didn't necessarily get out a bristle. And there are so many bristles in a toothbrush that I was like, fuck it. So I decided to break off the top of the toothbrush. Couldn't do it. Had to have Donnie do it. Mm -hmm. And then I composted 
most of the bamboo of the handle of the toothbrush. So that's how that went. Um, we'll revisit next time I do it as well and see what happens, but was pretty decently happy with the experience overall. I feel nice that I didn't throw like a whole plastic toothbrush in the trash. Yeah. Should we jump to the aluminum foil dispenser since you talked about it? Oh boy, now we're all over the place. Okay. Yeah, it's anarchy now. Yeah. Um, so we talked about this last week and we didn't go into a lot of detail because we hadn't used it yet. I had cleaned it mm-hmm. and then we were kind of like letting it chill to see what was going to happen. It came in pretty rusty, uh-huh. which I knew would kind of be the case because these things aren't in awesome repair anymore if they're from the 60s. But I kind of realized if we're going to use it for food, it should be as clean as humanly possible. And above being rusty, it just really needed to be cleaned. I think it had been outside at some point. Right. So I really went in on that. And I can link a few of the things I did. There were some like DIY de-rustings that mm. were recommended. Yeah, you went pretty hard. I like, came home from a walk or the grocery store. I don't know where I was. And the sink was just full <laughs> with this thing in it. This thing plugged up. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I guess I'll go elsewhere. It seems like you got this <laughs> under control. Yeah, I. so I started with borax and lemon, which was an interesting thing. Because it was supposed to be a paste, but then it got mad hard, mm, and it became like a, like chunks of borax and lemon, which I rubbed on there, and that's when the toothbrush got involved. So you rub it on, and you leave it for half an hour, and then you come back and you scrub it off. And that worked, but this thing was mad rusty, so then I sprayed on... Generally, like, they say to spray on diluted vinegar, and our cleaning spray is mostly diluted vinegar with a little bit of soap, so I just kind of, like, went for that. Mm-hmm. And then I let that sit for half an hour and I scrubbed and that was working, but it wasn't completely gone. And so I did a full on vinegar bath. I filled the sink with water and poured vinegar in there. The annoying thing was I couldn't plug up the sink all the way. So it kept draining out. So I kept having to add water to it. And that was like a whole thing. But I did that for an hour and then I rinsed it off really well and I dried it really well. I actually ended up drying it with a hairdryer to make sure that the hinges didn't rest. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's like a little high pitch. That sounds like a laser. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Can't get it. Gotta move on. Um, And so, yeah, I would say that not all of the rest is gone, but it's very clean and no longer transferring. And I think that that's the best we're going to do. I used the aluminum foil today. It was not rusty. Hooray. And actually, I when I like ripped it off, the little serrated edge was very sharp still, which I know because I cut my hand on it, but also <laughs> was nice to see that it was still cutting aluminum. So Not just Jordan's hand. Oh, and also the other thing I wanted to update on this, this is going to be kind of a long update. All right, here we go. Yeah. So I had to hang this thing also uh, yes. because it's wall mounted. And that was... You know how I generally hang things. It's like I put a hole in the wall, I hang the thing up. I'm like, oh, that's not exactly where I want it to be. And then I like move the hole around, you know, and as long as the hole ends up behind the thing, I'm fine. This wasn't going to be like that because I'm decided to anchor it into the wall, Mm -hmm. which was just the responsible thing to do because actually aluminum foil is like way heavier than you think it is when you're just kind of generally thinking about buying it at the grocery store. And I didn't want it to get ripped out of the wall and be a whole, like, to-do. Right. Sure. 
But I didn't want to put like 12 anchors in the drywall and then use two of them. So I wanted to be pretty precise about it. And I saw this really cool tutorial on Jenny Comenda's Instagram. She's an interior designer out in Arizona, actually. Fun fact. Zonies. You didn't seem to like that fact. You were particularly <laughs> impressed by it. Um, and she did this thing where she took a piece of painter's tape and put it across the back of a piece that she was hanging all the way across. So she got like a full width of it. Uh-huh. So the tape would reflect the full width of the piece. And then she poked holes in the tape where the mounting hardware needed to go. So mm. like essentially where the holes were on the back of the frame. And then she took the tape off and put the tape on the wall so that you could make the tape level and you could measure the tape to make sure that it was centered. And then she used the tape as kind of a guide to drill the holes. Hmm. So that's what I did. I put a piece of painter's tape across the whole back of the foil dispenser. I poked holes where the holes went. And then I put the tape on the kitchen wall so that I could measure out whether it was centered where I wanted it to be. I made sure that the tape was level. I actually made sure the tape was level twice, just in case, because I knew that it would be really awkward if this thing wasn't level. It did come out very level. Yeah, right? Um, I was super impressed by the way this came out. I put the anchors in, I put screws in, I hung the thing up, and like... She looks really good. I was really impressed by this hanging technique, and so I wanted to share it with everyone. Um, I took a few pics of it, so I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much to say about it. I was making dinner while you were doing all that. I put my finger up on the tape one time. Yeah, I needed to do a little bit of measuring because the holes were like a little set down from the top of the dispenser, obviously, Mm. and so I needed to make sure that I was measuring where I wanted the top of the dispenser to be relative to the holes. But other than that... Makes sense. It went fairly seamlessly, and I was pretty pleased with it. Yeah, looks great. Yeah. Holds your stuff. Very level. Thanks. Um, let's see. Where to next? I suppose as long as we're talking about the kitchen, keep on kitchening. Cool. We'll just go back to the top of our list. <clears throat> to the blender. We got a real grown-up blender. Yeah. And it is life-changing. Yeah, we had a magic bullet before. We've actually had two magic bullets. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the magic bullet sucks. Yeah, I think it's good for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the only benefit of the magic bullet, the reason we bought one a second time is it's small. Yeah. And we thought, like, this is the only thing we can have because it's the only space we have. And then I started taking smoothies every day. And it's nice to have kind of that single serving option, right? With the magic bullet, you put the stuff in the smoothie cup, you blend it, and then you take that cup with you. Right. Turns out that other blenders have that now. (laughs) So it's not even that nice of a thing. The future is here. Yeah. Uh, My friend Ed recommended this Ninja Blender to us. I'll link it in the show notes. And it was nice. It was... I want to say $100, yeah. which was kind of a nice middle of the road. Like, it was an investment. It was not a cheap blender, but there were, like, $600 blenders, mm-hmm. and that was not where we wanted to be. No. I don't know if it's everywhere I want to be. It's a bit much, for no. sure. And so it comes with two individual blending cups, and I still take those for smoothies in the morning that you can screw on to the blender base. 
Um, it also comes with a regular size blender, which has been very clutch for making like sauces and stuff. Yeah, just for really anything. The Magic Bullet, <laughs> take, back, I was just, take back what I said. It's not good for nothing. It's pretty good for smoothies, which is what I think most of its promise is. But in terms of... The infomercial says you can blend anything. I mean, you can with patience. Um, <laughs> but this, like, making sauces, I'm trying to think of specific stuff that would just be so frustrating. Well, so what broke us was the gazpacho, ah. if you remember. We were, like, in the middle of CSA hell, and what? we were getting... Can we pause and appreciate that as a quote? What broke us <laughs> is the gazpacho. <laughs> We were in the middle of CSA hell, and we were getting six cucumbers a week, and we mm. couldn't eat that many cucumbers, and we found this Sean Brock recipe for cucumber gazpacho, mm -hmm. and we were trying to make it in the fucking magic bullet, and what was happening was that I'd have to blend, like, two cups of it, pour it in the bowl, yeah. but because the magic bullet wouldn't work if there wasn't enough liquid in it, like, it wouldn't blend solid things, I would have to pour some of the blended gazpacho back into the magic bullet to then blend more gazpacho. Do you remember this? It was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. And we were like, this ends now. <laughs> I will no longer live in this cucumber hell. Side note, when you say that phrase, do you always think this ends tonight? Like the All American Rejects song? Because I do. But this ends now? Yeah. No, that's not what comes to mind. Oh, okay. But Never mind. I do like that song. <laughs> when darkness turns to light. Anyway. You gotta do that. You didn't get that. It ends tonight. Yeah. It yeah. Tonight. That's what I think of every time I say the sense now. Oh, I, I, which I say like more than a person should, I think. I think of like, it must be from some action movie or something I think of. Oh. That more so. Like mm. a little like faux drama, you know. Anyway, man, it ended. We said I think literally that night we... Night <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that night. <laughs> Just a little insight. Did we make it right? <laughs> We're gonna get sued by the All American Rejects. Um, <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> um. So yeah, and actually, I think the first thing we made with the blender was the gazpacho again, and it was so easy because we could put everything in the one blender, yeah. and it actually blended the shit. Yeah, it just made it. It took like a fifteen minute process to like a one minute process. Yeah, it was fantastic. I will say it is not meant to blend hot foods. We still immersion blend our soups. That's true. Um, there are blenders you can get that do blend hot foods. This is not that. Nope. We make pesto and stuff in it, and that's been so great. We are making our own tomato sauce. That's so great. Mm -hmm. I make my smoothies every day, and I never have chunks of fruit in my smoothies, which is so nice. Though I will say also, it came with two smoothie lids both of which are just like holes in the top of a lid i've since gotten rid of both of those i'm never going to use them i had to separately purchase a 12 dollars smoothie lid that closes so that i can put it in my bag mm -hmm. and i will link that in the show notes as well so that was a little annoying because we spent 100 bucks on the blender and there was one piece that we still needed but at the same time it's changed our lives so significantly that i don't even care really yeah great i don't really have any complaints it's like not even that tedious to clean really especially because we have the bottle brush no not really at all i would i was also a little concerned about that and i don't feel that at all yeah no thanks ed <laughs> um moving on into the kitchen we got some wet jars to replace well so this kind of came with the kitchen overhaul it was a bit of a precursor to the kitchen overhaul 
we had a bunch of bags just flopping around. The uh, polenta, as we mentioned, mozzarella, rice bags, different grain bags. Um, we had some beans at some point. Yeah, it was just getting like, you'd open it up and like three different bags would flop down on you. Or you'd move something and they'd be rolling around. And it was just, I mean, we had them rubber banded together, clipped together. So it wasn't like loose rice was all up at the time. <laughs> but it was, no, it was tedious. And we had been talking about trying to move to like, not wholesale purchasing. What's Bulk yeah. buying of kind of dry goods. Also, we would, it would be hard to find stuff. Like you'd buy a new bag of cornmeal and you'd realize that there was a whole bag of cornmeal that you'd just forgotten was there. Yeah. So we got these wet jars and moved all that stuff into them. Yeah, we got, actually, we had two wet jars previously. I had gotten them, I think, in college because I used to work at a place that sold wet jars, which is weird, kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I had two really big wet jars, and that's where we keep our flour and our sugar, and that's just always been a really good system for us. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had wanted to do this, like you were saying, so that we could buy stuff in bulk. And... Finally, we just kind of did it. I don't even remember. I don't either. Why? I think we just pulled the trigger on it. We were talking about it. It's like, well, I have money left in my budget. Do you want to do it? And they were like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'll link the ones we got. I got the, I think, one liter tulip jars because I looked at our existing bags to see how much volume we needed. Mm. And it looked like one liter was going to be enough for most of everything. Cause it's really annoying to buy a bag of something, pour it into the jar and then find <laughs> out you have a little bit left. So you have to keep the bag anyway. Yeah. So that's why I did that. I also thought that they weren't an eco purchase. I have no idea how they're manufactured by whom, where, Yeah. but they're selling them at, um, Helen Milan, which is where we got those, towels and that's like a sustainable package free company so plastic free shipping so there's something about them i think they did ship without plastic so maybe that's what that was um good work weck yeah we bought ours on amazon so that wasn't like helping anyone (laughs) yeah but um i really like them we like you said we've got rice in there we have coffee in there ah yes which is really exciting because we are starting to buy bulk coffee Mm mm-hmm um, I will say, I've realized I've used that phrase. That's oh, yeah. my qualifying phrase. I need to find a new one. Not right now, though. We're yeah. just moving forward. You have to go to a place that has tear weight, which is what most bulk places have. But there are a few grocery stores around here that like sell bulk things and have no tear weight, which means that you can't measure your jar beforehand and subtract that from the cost Mm. that they charge you for the weight of the jar even though you're not buying the jar from them that annoys me and also isn't how that should work because it implies that you should use a plastic bag to buy bulk things which is the opposite of the point Mm -hmm. so i think we're going to end up going to whole foods for most of this stuff because i know that they observe tear weight there um but I it's it's been a process I would say but I'm really excited to do more would you say yeah I would you you haven't gone to get coffee because you're a little afraid of it well okay (laughs) I don't think we need to yes I am Um, to be fair, I went there the first time and I was trying to figure out how the tear weight thing worked and I ended up kind of destroying their scale a little bit and someone had to come get me and be like, miss, that's not how that works. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> are we small space design podcast or are we eco terrorists? <laughs> um, yeah, what was I gonna say? I I like it. Um, I have not done any tearaway shopping yet, but I'm into it. Having the jars, I think it makes things easier now that we have everything in the baking cabinet with the jars of the sugar and flour. Everything is really quite simple to like reach up and get what you need coffee in the morning or if you're doing polenta or you know like cornbread or any kind of baking involving any of that stuff the grains are all there the brown the sugar is in there the brown too, sugar nice. yeah keeps it a little fresher mm-hmm. it's also easier for measuring stuff out like the bag is very amorphous and kind of changes as you like remove stuff from it but it's nice to be able to reach into the jar and have the jar like not fold in onto your hand or something you know oh yeah you pull out your hand it's covered in sugar butter <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah i am into it would recommend yeah they're pretty cute too yeah even if like even if you're not trying to do the shopping in bulk thing i mean if, if you're gonna buy the plastic bags i think it's just an easier like system to yeah. organize your cabinets and your cupboard that was the word i was looking for cupboards yeah, yeah. Then we got the new oven mitts to replace the old shitty Target oven mitts. Yeah, we talked about this last episode as well. Um, And I just wanted to update people because we have since used them. When we talked about them the first time, we had not yet used them. We had only read that review, Mm -hmm. which I will link again in the show notes, (laughs) even though it's in last week's show notes as well. I'm I'm fine with them. Yeah. Your hands are normal when you reach them into the <laughs> oven, which is what you want oven mitts to do. Yeah, check plus. So, about it. Um, and yeah, that's it. Just wanted people to know that that was not like a bum wreck that we gave. <laughs> Pot and sustainable cookware. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> we went back to Target this weekend. Why did we go there? Uh, we went there for my cork board. So... I am, this, I'll put it in a podcast when the project's done. I have received my hiking swag for thru-hiking the long trail. Which uh, is why you did it in the first place. Yeah, primarily. Um, <laughs> which is the certificate and a patch. And I was initially thinking about, like, what I'm going to do with the patch. You know, like, I'm not a Boy Scout. I'm not going to put it on a sash. Um, put it on my pack, and I looked up different things about that. But, I don't know, people had different thoughts about whether or not it would damage the pack. Apparently, ironing doesn't always hold up to the elements as well as you'd think it would. And then on a hiking forum, I saw that someone recommended putting it on... Or they put it on their gearbox, and they were like, I think this is a good idea if anyone has one of those. I was like, huh, I have a gearbox. But since this episode isn't about that, because the project's not done, I'll leave it there as a teaser for future podcast conversations. Yeah, we also didn't get that stuff when we yes, went to Target because yeah. it wasn't there. Um, also, we went to Target on the day after Black Friday, so it was a mess and picked over and everyone was being crazy. Yeah, wildness. But as we were walking there, I had $29 left to spend for the week and I was kind of like, we replaced almost every other piece of cookware in our kitchen, except for our, I think they're called saucepans actually, but I never call it that because it's a pot. Yeah. So like, I don't know why you call the pot a pan, but I don't like that. I'm obviously wrong because <laughs> everyone else calls it a saucepan. But like, we have like a, I would say like a three quart saucepan. Yeah. 
that I've had, again, since I was like 19, the day I bought the wok, I probably also bought the saucepan at Bed Bath & Beyond. It, my favorite thing about it is that the lid is a strainer and that there were little like spouts on either side of it so you could pour stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're making pasta, you can use the lid of the saucepan to drain it rather than needing a separate colander. When we make water for the um, French press, we have the little spouts on either side that kind of like direct it in so you're not just pouring boiling water <laughs> everywhere. I loved that thing. But again, it was really old. The finish was chipping off on the bottom of it. It had actually become dented on the bottom during one of my moves, like somehow. Uh-huh. And, had a lot of character. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of like, we did everything else. And if I can find one that costs less than $29 that has the same functionality of the lid, because that's a functionality we use every single time we make pasta, I will do it. Also, a lot of other things. We strain rice that way when we, uh, like, what is it called? Soak it. Yeah, when we soak rice. It's very useful. Yeah, nice feature. And we went to Target and we found one that was $20. So I bought that. Mm -hmm. We talked last time about how we didn't make any sustainable choices. Nope. (laughs) When we replaced our cookware. And so we were just kind of like talking back and forth about what that would look like and when that's going to fit into our lifestyle. Obviously, that's something we'd like to do at some point. Also, we're probably going to have this cookware for another 10 years, so it's not like a decision that we need to make right now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I was just kind of Googling around because this is what I do. It's kind of funny, actually. I was thinking um, recently that I find it difficult to hold information until I need it. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? I don't know. It's like weird. I mean, kind of. Going at so much room in your brain. <laughs> like, sustainability didn't really... I had heard stuff about it until all of a sudden I turned around one day and was like, wait, I want to know everything about this, and then, like, started learning about it. Um, and so this was one of those things, I think, that I was like, oh, I should probably know about sustainable cookware for the time when I need to know about it, because now is the time I want to put it in my brain. Uh-huh. I don't know if that makes any sense or if that's what people do, but that's what I did. And so I started Googling around and I saw a few different things. And it seems that a lot of people are focusing on sustainable materials for cookware. Mm -hmm. So they say that like cast iron is a good investment because that's the sort of stuff that lasts forever. It's made of a natural resource. It's fully recyclable. Um, People really like stainless steel. Mm -hmm. People like ceramic. Mm. So those were the sorts of things people were recommending. I looked into a bunch of different things, and obviously you can spend like $400 on a pan, which seems insane to me. On a wok, right? You found a $400 I found a $400 stainless steel wok. Yeah, that's not for us right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's not where we're at. No. But also because hipsters exist and the internet exists, I found this company called Made In, that's doing stainless steel cookware and each piece is under $100. Mm. So that was kind of interesting. And interestingly, I've seen this before. And that's why I mentioned the thing about not having information in my brain. Because like someone showed me this and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then immediately forgot about it. <laughs> um, and then when I saw it again, I was like, oh, shit, I've like already seen this. Um, and the other thing I liked about it, it is a sustainable material. Stainless steel is 100% recyclable. They also say that they're like 
waste from their factory gets 100% recycled, which is Mm. cool. But something about sustainability for me, at least, or conscious consumption for me is also about how that thing is made and by whom. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the fact that they use family owned factories and they audit their factories was interesting to me as well. So uh, again, we're probably not going to buy cookware again for another 10 years because (laughs) the most sustainable thing to do is to use the thing you have. But I put it somewhere in our Evernote, I want to say. Or just somewhere in your brain. Yeah, as a thing to earmark for like, there are sustainable options. There are sustainable options that we could almost reasonably afford. Like, I think that their big saute pan was $75. And I think that that's an amount of money we could plan to spend at some point. Right. And so that's just kind of like earmarked in my brain. Nice. That's everything in the kitchen. Our final update is really more of a discovery. It's not anything new, but we discovered after doing a big uh, bedsheet washing day, um, Jordan's been sick, as you might have heard on the last <laughs> podcast. And so the, um, what's it called? The handkerchiefs were running low. <laughs> Uh, which is an interesting update about the handkerchiefs as well is that they're awesome but you have a finite number of them on like tissues oh yeah so i was like all right well we haven't done our bed sheets in a while you've been sick so let's do that and because everything was so small we threw in the duvet cover and we're gonna do it on uh like a on its own drying load so we did that and in the process of doing this discovered that there were loops to tie that's really it. We discovered their loops. <laughs> yeah. When we talked about the comforter the first time, did we talk about this? Maybe. I don't know. I vaguely remember saying like, so I discovered <laughs> when we bought this comforter and this duvet cover, the duvet covers come with little ties on the inside so that you can attach them to the comforter. Mm-hmm. I had never had a real duvet insert before, so I didn't know that was a thing. But I think we talked about this the first time we talked about it. We love this comforter. It's really nice. So much. But it didn't... I expected it to have ties, too, so you could, like, tie the ties together, and it didn't have those. And I was like, oh, that's weird, but whatever. Right. So <laughs> when, we, when we were putting the duvet cover on after washing it, I had somehow gotten the duvet cover turned upside down. And I realized that on the other underside, there aren't ties to tie to the tie there are loops to tie the ties through ta-da um i feel like this is game changing (laughs) yeah i mean i i mean yeah it's kept it very taut which is nice like it's always been comfortable but now it just like constantly looks neater like sometimes if i'm making the bed it's been like a rushed morning because jordan is usually the one who does that chore um I'll notice, like, it'll be flumpy and you gotta, like, flop it out. <laughs> but since we've tied these uh, loops, as we probably should have in the first damn time, um, yeah, it's just been, like, way tauter and way easier to maneuver. Doesn't slide around at all. Yeah. Genius. So, yeah, um, if you are in the market for a Buffy comforter, which we 110% recommend to everyone, do know that it has loops so that you can tie it to the duvet cover. And if we said previously that it doesn't, we were lying because we're idiots. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Buffy. Sorry, everyone else. But that is no longer an issue for us. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Apartment 26. 
For more info on the stuff we talk about on this episode, check out the show notes linked below. And follow us on Instagram at apt26podcast. See you next time.